It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. Uh, first off, I want to say happy birthday to Dennis. He took the day off, and uh, so he can enjoy his birthday, so he can sleep in a little late for his birthday. I think, according to Facebook, it looks like he's seen the new uh, Star Wars movie at least twice now. So, good for him. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews, so, and he said it was good though. But, and in a, a couple minutes, we're going to be talking to our buddy Junior Damato, uh, see what's on his mind about different things, and also a little bit of an issue with a driver's license, and we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So, um, we have that coming up, and in also a bit after that, we will be talking to Jim Graham. He is director of Ford Driving Skills for Life, and has an interesting little uh, little story to tell here. So we'll talk. We'll talk with him. We'll also cover some of the things that were in the news today. Maybe some of the problems we've run into. Uh, all kinds of different stuff. And uh, hopefully, your Christmas was good, and your New Year will be better, and uh, you'll be able to en- enjoy what you want to be able to do. So all good stuff. So a lot of things going on. Hey, if you're a technician out there and you're looking for a job, the big used car store CarMax plans to hire more than 850 service technicians and detailers, the largest such hiring effort by used car vehicle retailer in its 26-year history. Company executives say the technicians will primarily recondition cars and trucks for sale. At the the 215 CarMax stores, they employ about 3,700 technicians now. Uh, Sportsman Lindsey Duke told the Fix Ops Journal roughly 55% of the hires will be technicians and the rest will be detailers and related employees. It's a big, big hiring. Uh, And CarMax, I think there's three CarMax stores in our area around here. There's one down in South Attleboro, one up in the Westwood area, and then one down in Rhode Island. So a lot around. Also uh, kind of spend the day in a life of a mobile mechanic. So, But right now, if Keith is ready, you ready, Keith? Um, all settled in? Get, getting all settled in? Had a little headphone problem over there? Okay. We'll wait for you to get all settled in again. And uh, someday... There will be a Hyundai Santa Cruz. It's sort of Hyundai's version of an El Camino. And that looks like it's they're going to build that. Uh, they're going to spend $410 million in an, in an Alabama plant to build the new Hyundai Santa Cruz. But right now, let's talk to our buddy Junior D'Amato. Junior, good morning. Hey, Mr. John. How are you? Ho, uh, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. I hope, I, hope, <laughs> I hope Santa was good to you. Oh, my God. This DeSanta is just absolutely phenomenal. Well, that's good. That's good. Everybody's good. Everybody's happy. And uh, I know that you're doing well, and uh, you're on your way down south in a little bit, which is good for you. I'll, I'll be up here holding down the fort for you. Well, as long as somebody's holding down the fort, you know. 
You know, every time we yeah. have every time we have you on, we usually start with, you know, what are you seeing in the shop these days? What are some of the problems? What are some of the issues? Uh, so what's going on these days? Well, the same, it's pretty much the same, the same. Uh, in New England, we are subject to a lot of um, what they call ground connections, rust, corrosion, things like that. And this time of the year, believe it or not, we're seeing a tremendous amount of uh, alloy wheels leaking around the uh, bead seals. And, uh, you know, whether you use a nitrogen or whether you just use a regular air, um, you still need to sometimes break the tire down and grind down or sand down the, the rim lip area. And then you need to put some kind of lubrication on there. And believe it or not, John, stuff like WD-40, yep, that water displacement stuff, actually can help keep the corrosion down. Something as simple as that. Um, they tell you don't use any kind of oil. So on a really bad wheel, we'll end up using transmission fluid or power steering fluid. Mm. And uh, we never it, we never had that problem again. Yeah, I know I know back in the old days in in truck shops, especially where the trucks were used for going in and out of sand and gravel pits and stuff like that, they had this uh uh, gooey, waxy stuff that they would coat the wheels with for the same reason to, to keep the yep. to keep the rims. Uh, back then, they were split rims, but to keep the to keep the rings from rusting together. But it also worked really well on uh, alloy and and other and steel wheels to sort of fill that space a little bit, uh, and it also protected it from more corrosion to happen. So yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of something will will make a real difference. And I know it's it's hard for the consumer. Sometimes they come to you and they'll they'll say I want to buy four tires and they you know they they put air in their tires you know three times in four years and then all of a sudden you put four tires on the car and and they start and they start to leak because the rims were all the only thing holding the the air in was the the way the tire had kind of melted itself to the wheel and you go well yeah, the other thing yeah. is that we see a lot of people coming in from out of state with uh, new you know new cars, five years old, if yep. you will. And uh, they said, I just got tires put in down in, you know, Kentucky or Carolina or whatever. And uh, I'm really upset because the tires are weak. And I'm, well, take a look for you. Yep. And you put the magical fluid around there called soap and water. Yes. And you can show them where it's all bubbling up. Well, why did they notice it? Well, maybe they did and they didn't you know, do it. Maybe it wasn't as bad. And maybe the reaction from the new rubber against the rim. But whatever it is, the bottom line is you've got to fix it. And, you know, it goes on pretty good. The other thing is, John, bent wheels. The amount of bent alloy wheels today that we're seeing is incredible. Oh, yeah. It does. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm coming down to see you in a little while to mount a new tire on a car that I hit a pothole, and it was a little bit ironic that uh, AAA put out a story on, I think it was Tuesday. About uh, or Wednesday, um, I, I lost track of the week here. Whatever day of the week it was, about yeah. how to avoid potholes. I wrote it, and I hit a pothole. Well, you know what? If you want to avoid a pothole, just stay home. Stay home. Exactly. That's what I should have done. I shouldn't have gone to work that day. But you it know, was. You should have called out. The other thing is down in Florida. You know, like where you had that uh, the big Taj Mahal there. We're we're seeing those roads are now starting to have uh, some issues because of all the. Uh, Problems with sinkholes. So yeah, you're not even sinking water anymore. I know. I, I, the only good thing is that the sinkhole swallows the whole car up, rather than just <laughs> yeah, rather than just a pothole. But uh, yeah, and it, and you know, I kind of feel I feel a little bit bad because this this car had 
has Pirelli tires on it, and there is not a single Pirelli tire of this size anywhere in New England at any tire store, Volvo dealership. Nobody's got one. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, you got to go online. Yeah, I went online and Tire Rack had it, and they shipped it to me overnight. So I have it, and then I'm going to come down to see you and get the car back together the way it should be. You know, trying to mount a tire these days, especially run-flat tires, if you do not have the right tire machine, the right equipment, um, you could damage the wheel. Now, just to let you know what's going on with these tire machines, the average tire machine today is some wheels around five or $6,000. Oh, yeah. If you want to get into run-flat tires or, you know, really pretty wheels and rims, you're looking at uh, 15200 It has a touchless one and an operatorless one for about $30,000. $30, and then you put another 15000 for a tire balancer. Yep. So that's $45,000 just to mount and balance a tire. Now you put $30,000 more for a good alignment machine. So now you're $75,000 in before you even open the door. Yeah, no, you're, you're right, because I'm on the advisory board for Weymouth High School, and Weymouth High School has a good little auto shop. They have a, they have a, a, a young guy who's teaching over there, uh, and I spent $110,000 of, of the school's money this year on uh, a tire machine, two lifts, and an alignment machine. Pretty amazing. Yep, and you kind of, and you kind of think, you know, what happens to the guy who had the small shop that has to put out that kind of money? And then even, you know, you have you have tools all over the place. How, you know, the new guy that's starting out. I was talking to a guy the other day. I looked in, and he had a pretty impressive looking toolbox, and I said, "What are you into the Snap-on guy for?" And he said, "Well, about about fifteen thousand dollars for the box." And, yeah, for, for and a metal box. For a metal box with nothing in it. And he says, you know, I got between Matco and Snap-on. He said, I'm probably out about 60000 right now. And I'm like, you yeah, got to work, right. work a long time to get that sixty grand back. All right. Now, I've got one more complaint for you before we chit-chat right. about everything else. All right. You just had your brand-new whatever car you had, and you uh, – did a little side swipe job, so you brought it down to the body shop, mm -hmm. and they had to touch up a front bumper, fender, or whatever. Now you go out with your car, and your lights are on that says lane departure is inactive. Mm -hmm. uh, collision avoidance system is inactive. Blah, blah, blah. Now you've got to go, or on another one, you go back to the dealer, because a lot of the shops, can't they don't have the equipment for it, or you get a front-end alignment, and now that alignment that was ninety nine ninety five is now four or 500 bucks. Well, trying to rip me off. Hmm. And what it is, is it takes that much longer to align all the sensors, the backup cameras, and put everything in perspective. Uh, my buddy Wendy, who owned that um, pool and patio place down in Norwood, yep. which is no longer there because he's down in Florida, bought a used Bentley uh, Bottega, which is a big four-door yep. sedan or whatever, yep. uh, the SUV. The SUV, uh, yep. At 9,000 miles, it needed a set of tires. I said, well, it's not unusual down there in Florida. It's very hot. Mm -hmm. So he gets the tires, has them put the tires on. He gets a phone call, says, we'd like to, you know, set the alignment on the car as well. Okay, well, what's that going to cost me? It was 1200 bucks to line up the car uh, because they have to realign all the sensors. As soon as you touch the adjustment on the steering angle, the toe or anything, you need to do that. So if anybody 
uh, is in that area that needs that kind of service, be aware it's not an inexpensive job, and it can take up to six hours to do. Yeah, uh, the the folks over at Sullivan Tire actually put on, they started a whole separate business of um, just just working on those vehicles because they found out even a lot of dealers don't have that stuff. No, it's very, very yeah. like when Porsche came out with the aluminum bodies, they yep. had to send them all down to New York to get the uh, the, the, the body work done. Even, yep. uh, you know, the people down in Westwood, the big uh, automobile people. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. How about how about you know you talked about you talked about rust and corrosion and bad grounds. It's still it's still a real real problem out there uh, with uh, you know whether it's anything from something simple to a hard start to uh, sensors that aren't reading correctly because the grounds are rusty, right? Uh, it's a, it's amazing the ground connections and problems that we are seeing on cars that you know are uh, five six years old. Remember, we're working on cars, John, that the dealers don't want to get involved right. with. Uh, so most of the garages, the car that's more than uh, eight, six, seven, eight years old, car dealers, a lot of them, don't want any part of them. It's like the guy that used to do the snowmobiles, Armas down in Halifax. If, if your jet ski or snowmobile is more than like four or five years old, we're not getting involved with them anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy. And the crazy stuff, we just had a Honda Civic in here the other day that stopped running. And if I tell you why it stopped running and how we got it to start, you wouldn't believe it. The timing belt to jump two teeth, so you follow the diagnostic trouble path, and it says disconnect the uh, the sensor on the bottom of the motor, and bingo, guess what? They can't, the crank sensor, the car starts right up and runs. Oh. Follow Identifix, follow the trouble tree with that, and bingo, guess what? It jumped two teeth. So these cars, especially import cars, are so particular about engine mechanical timing that it's incredible. The other problems we're seeing is people not changing the oil or using the wrong oil or going to some of these crazy oil places. And a lot of times the kids don't change the oil filters because now they're a canister-type filter. Yep. And we're seeing a lot of the uh, oil-activated cam timing sensors mm-hmm. and cam timing valves. and It just gets on and on and on. It's just, And we're getting stuck with all these vehicles, but it's okay. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, my little car had one more free oil change left, and the uh, Hyundai dealer I bought it from went out of business. It was Prime Hyundai. They went out of business, and they said, they said, don't worry, bring it over to the Volvo dealer, and we'll change the oil for you. So yeah. I go I go over, and, and you know, I, I guess I'd never been to uh, a Volvo service department. They give you they give you little uh, coffee cakes and water and coffee and espresso and cappuccino and uh, so I'm waiting to get my oil changed, and I get it, and I, they give me the slip, and I walk out, and it says, uh, it says uh, five quarts of, uh, of 5W30 oil. So I kind of look at the slip, and I walk back in, and I said to the guy, um, you know, the slip here says 5W30. I said, right on the oil cap, it says 520. Mm. I said, you know, I'm not, I said, I'm not fussy about a lot of things, but I'm kind of fussy about putting the right grade of oil in the car. And the guy yeah. goes, the guy goes, uh, well, no, that's what the computer told us to put in. I'm like, yeah, but the oil cap on top of the engine said 520. So he goes, well, let me see. Maybe it was just a mistake. So he comes back and he goes, uh, yeah, we put the wrong oil in. So you're right. Yeah. Sometimes something is simple. And you're right, those, the oil, the, uh, the, the valves that are, that can, you can get a random engine misfire from putting the wrong grade of oil in a car. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing what we're seeing today. And again, uh, we're 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 one of the shops in the area that always, believe it or not, John, put a few more pounds of air and tires that 
you know, are required. The lady comes in, and she says, my tires are reading off now because you just changed the oil. And she said, we put three extra pounds in mm. it. I said, why'd you do that? Then you explain it to her. Well, when's the last time that you changed it? You know, yeah. to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It is cold. I'd rather leave it like that for you. But yeah. if you want, I'll bring it back down to the spec. She said, that sounds good. So, you know, we're putting a little bit of extra air in all the tires on the on cold cold winter days. That way, the other prevents that light from coming on if the temperature does drop below 32 degrees. Yeah, yeah, because you're right, because every... Every 10-degree drop in temperature, you lose about a pound of air, and, you know, all yeah. of a sudden you go from a 45-degree day like today to a 5-degree day that might happen in the next week or so. Now you've lost, you know, three, four, five, six pounds of air, and that's enough to turn the light on. Mm. Uh, we see more and more of this every day. And, again, cars are cars are not cars anymore. Radios are not radios. Radios are more or less little laptop computers with all the information. Yep built-ins in, especially like on the Chrysler products. Yep. But anyway, you, you, one thing people have got to do if they're up and getting ready to get a driver's license, you know what we've been going through, and you know that I think a lot of your listeners are probably, if they haven't, are going to go through trying to renew a driver's That's... license if you weren't born here in the United States of America. Yeah, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. Coming up in October of 2020, if you want to fly domestically or go into a government building, you're going to need something called Real ID. Real ID is an enhanced driver's license. If you decide you're not going to fly anywhere and you don't have a passport and you don't care and all you want is a driver's license, no more just going up to the registry counter with your old driver's license. You need to prove uh, proof of residency. You need to prove that you belong here in the United States. And for people that were not born here and maybe came here years and years ago and they didn't have, you know, they maybe they got residency papers, maybe they got a green card, maybe they got nothing because they just got off the boat and went and found a job somewhere or they were little kids and they got off the boat and didn't think anything of it and then they got a job and they got a social security card and a driver's license. That's not enough anymore. No, it's, uh, it's really amazing. But uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, John, in New York, they were going to have uh, anybody that was an illegal alien uh, could apply for a New York driver's license. Yep. I was amazed to hear that. Yeah, that was... License. Why don't we just run to New York and we see about getting a license down there? Yeah. We'll, get, yeah. we'll take up residency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just just get, in a, just get a hotel room for the night and say you're going to live there. That's it. But yeah. uh, we're going through that battle now. Yeah. And, uh, it's amazing. I never thought we'd have to grab the uh, likes of an attorney to go forward and get a driver's license yeah. renewed. Yeah, the other... Not having the proper information. The other thing that came up that I've heard that has come up recently is you decided you were going to have a romantic wedding. So you decided you were going to go to, I don't know, the Bahamas to get married or Mexico to get married. And you have a marriage license from Mexico. And so you came back here, you change your name to all of a sudden now you're instead of Mary Jones, you're Mary Smith, because that's what it says on your drive on your marriage license. You hand your marriage license into the RMV here, and they go, uh, we don't count the ones from outside the country. As far as we know, you're still Mary Jones. And, and the person goes, I've been Mary Smith for 20 years. What do you mean? No, you're Mary Jones. So well, Anybody that is going for that kind of a, yeah. a, to go to a new yep. license, yep. you might want to try to do it at least 90 days prior yep. because it's going to take uh, for us to get – oh, by the way, first of all, the registry was really, really, really uh, helpful. They said, you know what, we're going to extend it 
you know, yep. uh, 60 days. Yep. I says, okay, that sounds good. So I talked to uh, the lawyer. The lawyer says, you know what, this is not going to happen for probably six months to a year. I called the registry back. I talked to uh, some young lady there. I couldn't believe, may I help you? That was amazing. Oh, that was just... We went through, yeah, it's yep. amazing. So we went through the whole enchilada. She says, give me all the information that you have. I'm going to put it in the computer now. You get out of the registry with a letter from the lawyer saying they're waiting on green card applications to go through and, um, you know, finalizing everything. And uh, we'll put it right in there and we'll extend the license for you. Oh, that's nice. I thought that was pretty nice. That's yeah. nice. So far. So, yeah. so far, so good. Amazing. That's good. Yeah. But this thing could take up to a year. Because your Italian's not that good. You don't want to move back to Italy, you know. Well, I, I keep telling Carla, I said, you know what? you got to make sure you keep that door locked and just keep looking on your, your cell phone at that camera. Make sure that the ice people don't come down there and uh, want to knock on the door and arrest you. Take me away. She goes, they'll do that? I said, oh, yeah. So she's joking with her. She says, am I going to have to take a test? I says, yeah, you got to take a test. I says, I hope you can pass it. <laughs> you know, cause it, it's pretty amazing now that they want you to become an American citizen all over again after being here for you know sixty years. No, it it's it is it is, and you know, but it's you know, however the rules change, whatever they whatever they are, but just to kind of warn people, and this is a this is a good reminder for people. This is one of those yeah. things that you know it can it can happen, and it can happen to everybody, and it, you just you have to you have to be a little bit you have to make sure you have everything in in line. And I even tell people if they're AAA members go into the AAA office ahead of time with all your paperwork and say, "Do I have everything I need?" And then, if you don't, you can start to work on getting it and uh, and get it done and get it nice and easy. My wife didn't want to go through the her her license doesn't expire for another couple of years, but she's like, you know, mm-hmm. I want to get the real ID now. So she did it like a duplicate license, twenty five dollars. She got a new license in the mail. It's got the little star on it, so she's all set to go. And that's another Big thing. Deal with people, that is. That's good. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's a. And if you don't, and if you're closer than that, if you're only a year out, uh, you can renew your driver's license a year early. And it doesn't it doesn't affect the expiration date. So you know right. if your if your license expires, you know uh, July of 2020, go go get it done now. Get get it done before the the lines get busier. So, well, I think that that's good. And I like the idea if you can do it a year early. I thought it was only 90 days early, but a year early was really a nice idea. Year early, that's 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 the way it is, and uh, you know. Just try to just to try to help people because that's what we're that's what we're here to do. We're try, we're here to try to help people. So uh, one last I'll try to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, one last thing before we let you go. You've been driving anything fun? Um, yeah, we have. You know, uh, you and I both. I'm sure a lot of listeners know that we drive new cars every week. As a, uh, it's a heck of a perk, and it's really a, I think a lot of good information for the, for people that are listening in. Is that I'm driving a uh, what's it a, a Corona today. It was that a Hyundai or a Kia, I think, one of the two, because uh, a brother and sister vehicles mm-hmm. and companies. And it's just an amazing little vehicle for about $30,000. Uh, I just think it's just it's all-wheel drive. It's a turbocharged car. Uh, the other thing that I was really impressed with is the, uh, the little Ford Ranger. That was a really nice vehicle. The size of the Ford Ranger is what the F-150 used to be before we have all these mega pickup trucks now. Yeah, I haven't driven the Ranger yet. I, I'm kind of looking forward to driving it. I see every once in a while I see one down going down the road, and if it wasn't for the word Ranger on the back of it, you're right. I think it's just another F-150, but it is. It's just a little bit smaller than an, than an F-150, and it's like uh, you're right. It's like uh, you know if you look at an old F-150 or an F-100 or something like that, it's about the same size. Yeah. 
And if you look at uh, if you look at what we're seeing on TV now, when is the last time you actually, other than Nissan, when's the last time you saw a car commercial versus a SUV or a truck commercial? Nissan is pumping their all-wheel drive Altima, and they're going to be in big trouble next year when Toyota comes out. Well, this coming spring, when yeah. Toyota comes out with their all-wheel drive Camry, I mean, I think that that's going to really uh, put the nail in the coffin for the Altima in some form, you know. But other than that, uh, you see commercials to lease a vehicle, and they're all SUVs and pickups. Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I saw a commercial yesterday for, I think it was a, uh, I think it was a Honda CRV or something. No money down, one sixty nine a month or something. It was it was crazy cheap. Yeah, well, that's what we're seeing because again, uh, the car manufacturers do not want you to buy the vehicle. They want you to lease it that way in two years uh, or three years, whatever it might be. Uh, the car is coming back to them, and they're going to, if you like your car, that you lease, you're going to release it. That's right. And if not, and they have a nice used car to sell, and they make they make more money on the used cars than they do on the new ones. Yeah, and that's what you're going to start seeing more and more of. And, again, the American cars, as we knew them, they're pretty much gone. Yeah, and, and you know, somebody wrote to me in a little bit of an angry voice uh, the other day and said to me, how come you don't promote American cars? And I'm like... Well, first off, they're like, you're always talking about, you know, Honda and Toyota and Hyundai and Kia and, you know, the other ones. How come you don't, how come you don't promote that? Well, it's very simple. Yeah. When's the last time that we had any, uh, an American car in the press fleet to speak of? And when's the last time you got an American car to drive? Yeah, no, you, and that's and that's one of the reasons. And and I said to him, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I kind of look around at some of the if there is an American car, if there is one out there, you know, compared to some of the compared to what we call imports still, even though they're all mostly all made here, um, yeah. it's a little hard. It's a little hard to it's a little hard to recommend them. Yeah, I I don't know when the last time I saw an American car. Uh, I, I can't. You know what? I don't well, I think the last one might have been a challenger from Dodge. Yeah, which is really which is really Fiat, which is gonna be Fiat Peugeot. Yep, and it was an American uh it was an all wheel drive six cylinder challenger. It was great. All yep. wheel drive yep. and blah blah blah. It was a fun car. So we're gonna keep going and see what happens. Yep. And I know that you've got a lot of people that wanna yep. probably call you and and twist and bend your mind over. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna go back to work here in Middleborough. And I want you to yep. have a very, yep. very, very best and happiest day quick, you can. Quick reminder, tell us, tell us tell us, where you are now. What's the address well, down in Middleborough? Well, you know, one thing, High Park is no longer That's High right. Park after 55 years. Mm-hmm. It was down here at 359 West Grove Street in Middleborough, opposite Todd's Gate Shop, and right down uh, a stone's throw from Dave's Diner. There you go. Hey, Junior, I'll talk oh, to you soon. God. Take I'll care. See you in a little while. All bye right, bye bye. Let's take a break. Pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're sitting on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston.
And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Maybe you're listening on 100.3 FM, maybe you're listening online, or maybe you're listening in the future on the podcast. Uh, last week's podcast, we had a little recording problem. I just put it up this week. So if you want to learn more about Zymo, uh, uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about wax oil, uh, that podcast is up. If you want to learn about that rust proofing and uh, you know, a few things you could pick up from there. And again, if you listen on the podcast and if you're listening, say, outside of our normal listening area, always feel free to drop me an email at jpaul at aaanortheast.com. Always like to hear where people are listening from that aren't in our direct area. Well, millennials have transitioned from a group originally deemed uninterested in vehicle ownership to a generation that's expected to account for about 40% of all new, uh, new vehicle purchases next year. That includes luxury vehicles, pickup trucks, uh, compact utility vehicles, and SUV. Millennials buying vehicles in those three segments go about it in markedly different ways, according to um, our friends over at Car Gurus. Uh, also known as Generation Y, millennials make up 22% of the U.S. population, range from 23 to 38. The older ones aren't kids anymore, according to Ali Chapman, a customer insights analyst at CarGuru, is an online automotive marketplace. Many of them have family, career, and car buying money. It's the families. It's the families. The families need to put their stuff in the car. The latter wasn't always the case, which is now... Um, how millennials got their early reputation, much to the horror of the auto industry, as a generation that disdained vehicle ownership. In retrospect, it wasn't that they didn't want cars. It was they couldn't afford them. I, I'm not so sure. Many, you know, or maybe they just said, I don't want to drive a $2,000 car. I want to drive a $40,000 car. Many older millennials came of age in the last decade, um, and uh, most were cramming in the last Minute research, uh, uh, you know, right now it looks like 96% say they were doing, uh, they were looking at their smartphones, so they're just doing everything different. Uh, many people uh, in the past year or so or many years carried heavy student debt. I hear about student debt a lot from younger people. Uh, some students, you know, some students have, you know, $100,000, $300,000 in student debt. No wonder why they can't afford to buy a car. Uh, they suffered from financial instability, according to Chapman. They weren't ripe for a new car market. One reason U.S. vehicle sales um, back then went off a cliff from uh, 16.2 million in 2007 to 10.6 million in 2009 uh, might have had to do with a bunch of other things too. But uh, but in contrast, the past few years sales have been good. Today, the average U.S. millennial annually earns about $70,000. That exceeds the overall average of $61,000. is not as much as Boomers and Generation X average. Um, as first-time luxury buyers, millennials show distinctive traits, some of them rooted in anxiety. Chapman says during a awards webinar entitled Data Reveals How Millennials Are Changing Key Car Buying Segments, the average first-time Gen Y luxury buyer is 29 years old and mostly male. At 29, they're in a funny space, according to Chapman. Many of these kids on their own, but they identify their parents as playing key roles in advising them on the buying process. Nearly half of the millennials felt uncertain when luxury car buying, then saying they were unprepared for certain elements of it. You know, I don't, even if you're making decent money, if you're making, you know, $69,000 and you're 
33 years old, should you go out and buy a $50,000 BMW? I don't know if that's such a good idea. Uh, nearly half the millennials felt uncertain, like I said, when buying luxury cars. Um, she recommends dealers earn their trust by answering their questions and guiding them through the process. Well, shouldn't every dealer do that with every customer? In, in contrast, millennial pickup tr uh Truck buyers showed greater confidence that vehicle segment has grown in recent years, in part because more people in their 20s and 30s are drawn to it. Millennials are passionate truck buyers. 72% of them view their vehicles as expressions of identity. That compares with 65% of other truck buyers and 33% of other millennial vehicle owners. Nearly 70% of young truck buyers strongly prefer a specific brand. They did more research, 87% than other truck buyers. And they enjoy browsing various automotive shopping websites for fun. If they are certain what truck to buy, they showed iffiness as to the dealership to buy from, according to car gurus. Um, both trust in the dealership ranked number one with millennial luxury car buyers. It was the bottom of the list for truck buyers. At the top of the list was initial asking price. Buyer's remorse is rare in this group. 86% of polled Gen Y truck buyers said they got a great deal when they were shopping. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting that the way they're looking at all of it and what they want to do. But you know, we'll have to we'll have to see see what it all means at the end of the day. But I think um, I don't know. I think it's it'll be interesting to see who's buying what and what they're doing and so forth. Um, this is something I'm not going to give it out. I'm not going to give it out today, but maybe next week. And it's a company called Dementor, D-E-M-E-N-T-E-R, D-E-M-E-T-E-R Fragrance. And Dementor Fragrance has a variety of um, colognes and shower gels and beard oils. And one of the fragrances... Is new car smell. So new car smell. So uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have uh, we'll, we'll have to check out that and see see what that is all about exactly. And you know I have some samples sitting kind of under my desk at work, and we'll have to check it out and see see what it all is. And uh, and uh, it doesn't really smell like new cars. It smells like soap. But uh, but we'll give a sample out. No, uh, but not today. Not today. We'll save that for next week. And next week, I'm also going to try to have um, Chris Russell on from the Paragon Group to talk about the Boston Auto Show that's going to be coming up after the, uh, well, it's the weekend of Martin Luther King weekend. So our phone number is 617-770-3030. And I think we got a call we want to sneak in before we talk to our next guest. Ken from Topsfield. Let's talk to Ken from Topsfield. Good morning, Ken. Good morning to you, John Paul. Had a question. My son-in-law is visiting. He has an 09 CRV, mm -hmm. uh, and he has about seventy thousand on it. Mm -hmm. Went and got a oil change at a Jiffy Lube or something like that, mm -hmm. and they said, "Oh, you need the transmission. The fluid looks bad, and all this." And he asked me about it last night. I I knew enough that you have to keep the you want to use certain transmission fluids with certain cars there. But I didn't know how many miles do you have when you change the, the transmission fluid on an 09? And do you do a filter? Is there such a thing now? Do you just do? And then I had a question on auto tickets for the show. 
well, let's start. Let's start with the easy one first. Um, yeah. The automatic transmission fluid. You're absolutely right. Automatic transmission fluid in a Honda vehicle, and, and actually many vehicles, it's specific to the car. So you want to make sure that you want to make sure that you only use Honda fluid. Because if you don't, it, it does really cause some, some real issues with drivability sometimes. It'll cause the transmission to shift funny. But uh, Honda says you can leave, unless the fluid's burnt. For instance, if he, got, if he got stuck somewhere and he was rocking the car back and forth, got stuck in deep sand, salt, you know, snow, ice, whatever, and he literally burnt up the transmission fluid because he overheated it, you'd want to change it now. But if he's been driving it pretty normal and you pull the dipstick out and you look at it and it looks kind of like transmission fluid and smells kind of like transmission fluid, it stays in there for 120,000 miles. And is that something we could change ourselves if you, with the idea, is that something you really, is there a filter that goes with that? Or it's like the old days, there was some sort of a filter. Well, there, there, there is a, it's kind of, it's not a filter so much as a it's more of a kind of a screen sort of thing um okay uh and it's uh there there is there is actually there's actually a drain on the side of the transmission but it's you know these days these days they're not they're not making life as easy as it used to be. On this, there's actually, the filter on this actually is a filter that sits in the line of the transmission. So it sort of looks, it sort of looks like a, um, it sort of looks like a gas filter, like an old style gas filter. Is it expensive to change these things? Uh, have this fluid changed in your mind? Because, because the fluid itself is expensive because a uh, Honda fluid's pretty expensive. The filter's probably I think the filter is about $70. And yeah. uh, and to uh you know you you you'll spend you'll spend a lot of time. This is something I wouldn't I I would you know if this was my car I don't know that I would do anything with the transmission on this other than leave it alone. You know like I said unless it looked really unless it looked really bad I don't. Yeah. I don't know that I would. Uh, again, I would do. I would do anything other than uh, just. Um, you know, just. You, you, yeah. You, I appreciate your good counsel. Yeah, because I. I don't. You know, it's not. It's. It's not as easy as the old days to do it. It's not that it's. It's not that it's difficult to do. Um, you know, you can you can change it. You can just change the transmission fluid in pretty much, pretty much no time with this. Like I said, it's not it's not a big deal. Um, if fine. you have if you have the uh, if you have all the right tools to be able to fill it, but there is just a dipstick, so you yeah. can you fill it through the dipstick, you drain it through the drain, and you don't worry about the filter. Um, what happens is, and it only holds. It doesn't even hold three quarts of fluid. So okay. it holds three, but the transmission runs on about eight. So you're never really changing all the filter anyway. Now you could do a flush, which a lot of people do, where they disconnect the cooling lines and they push in eight quarts of fluid and push out eight quarts of fluid. And that way you get all the fluid changed. But at 70,000, 80,000 miles, when Honda doesn't say to do it till 120, I wouldn't worry about it. So you could go 120, and then if you want, just... 
maybe pull the plug, drop a couple of quarts or something. Yeah, and put put a couple of new quarts. I think it's like two point seven or two point eight quarts, something like that. So you got to buy three, and I think it's like fifteen dollars yep. a quart. So, and it is some that is yeah. a tidy sum. Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. So save your money, and you're all set. Yep. Um, can you can you send me an email? I can. Let me get my pencil here right. and just write down so I can. Uh, I'm gonna. Okay. Why don't you? Go okay. Far. My email is J Paul J P A U L at A A A Northeast. You got to spell out Northeast. dot com. And uh, I'll I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you for a couple tickets for the auto show. Well, I you take care of so many people with good advice, and uh, you remind me of old Larry Glick. You always tell the story behind the story. So <laughs> thanks a lot. All right, take and care, Ken. Uh, All right, year. Happy New Year thanks. to you as well. Speaking of New Year, Keith, are you all set over there? I am. Okay. Speaking of New Year. With us is Jim Graham. He is the director of Ford Driving Skills for Life. And everyone knows that drunk driving is stupid, but what about driving with a hangover? Well, obviously you shouldn't do either, but uh, research has shown that driving with a hangover can actually be as dangerous as driving drunk. Uh, There was research done in Europe that we got a hold of, and uh, as a result, we put together a suit that we can demonstrate with young people and their parents as we go around the country showing the, the, the basically the lingering effects of drinking, and that would be a hangover, which limits you know, a lot of things you can do. So a hangover can be just as dangerous as driving drunk. And I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, the effects of alcohol can linger for quite a while, not just the hangover phase, but uh, the body really only gets rid of about an ounce and a half or an ounce of alcohol every hour and a half or so. So uh, somebody who goes to bed... Uh, intoxicated at midnight still when they get up at seven in the morning they're still drunk well that's exactly right and you know everybody's always looking for a quick fix for that it's really not so our goal basically is to one is especially with young people we work with a lot is to make sure they don't they don't drink and drive at all they're not supposed to obviously uh legally but the bottom line is show them different ways uh, different things so we have this hangover suit we also have a drug and a drunk suit to demonstrate these things but Yes, a lot of people don't realize that. They get up and they're like, I'm going to go to work or I'm going to go drive, and, and they still have that in their system. In there. They just don't have the same uh, abilities they do if they, if they were sober. Now, tell us a little bit about what this suit does. I assume somehow it slows reaction times or blurs vision or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's correct. There's a lot of pieces to it. So one is there's a cap, and the cap basically, uh, together with goggles, we have uh, simulates dizziness and a blinding headache. Uh, we have these goggles or glasses which give double vision, decreasing concentration and uh, kind of hypersensitivity to light. Uh, there's headphones they put on, and it, it basically plays pulsating music to mimic a migraine headache. There's various weights that are put on the body that makes your body very sluggish. So it's, it's something that they would wear, for the most part, outside of the car, but you can also wear it inside of the car. But uh, the bottom line, it, it basically drags you down a little bit in all different areas, and it very much simulates, uh, very much simulates you know, having less faculties that you would if you were, uh, you know, hungover. And the drunk, like, su- and the drunk suit yeah, is sort of the same thing, only more, right? Yes. They, these were these were developed with a company in Germany based upon research. And basically, they you kind of look like you're a, you have an outfit on when, you know, these goggles and different things. But they're basically designed to limit certain things you can do. And it's the same type of effect you'd have if you were drunk. We also have a drug suit. We have a drowsy driving suit, too, which is very interesting. It's a whole other subject. And, of course, now the hangover suit. So, 
you know, we find, especially with young people uh, that we work with a lot, they, it's, it's a very nice way to show them visually some things. And they can put it on, they can, they can demonstrate it in front of other people, and they, it really gets the, gets the message across them in kind of a fun way. And this is being done sort of in conjunction with uh, National Highway Traffic Safety and the whole slowdown, uh, uh, the... Uh, yeah, drive sober, get yeah, pulled over right. campaign, yeah. So the month of December is really a dangerous month for uh, alcohol impaired driving. And so the month, the month of December actually is National Impaired Driver Prevention Month, and we try to get people a lot of ideas of what they can do. But over 800 people lose their lives in December every year, and it's like 4,000 over five years. So it's just a good time to remind people that when you're going out to celebrate and have a good time, you have to remember there's all the other alternatives to getting home whether it's, you know, Uber or Lyft, uh, designated driver, things like that. So, you know, it's just something we try to do all year along with uh, our, uh, our teen driving program, which is called Four Driving Skills for Life. Yeah, in fact, yesterday uh, the, um, at the AAA office that I work at, we had a press conference with the uh, Massachusetts State Police and the Department of Highway Safety and DOT uh, about a new enforcement program that, that they're rolling out. They got uh, additional funding for uh, looking for just – uh, issues like this. So I think, you know, enforcement's always kind of the last step, but the whole education piece that Ford's doing with the Ford Driving Skills for Life program, I think is, uh, is one of those things that really help educate uh, not just young people, but everybody about the effects of uh, driving impaired or driving hungover, which is also impaired. Well, that's uh, correct, and I want to applaud AAA. We work with them in Michigan also and have the same type of press conference. But uh, triple, uh, Ford, Ford and basically uh, has put together Driving Skills for Life. It's our 17th year we're entering, and basically the goal of Ford Driving Skills for Life is to work with newly licensed drivers and give them more experience, you know, some areas like vehicle handling, recognizing hazards. But we also look at the impairment factor, whether it's drugs, Alcohol, even prescription drugs can be a problem. So we try to get them early. We've been doing it for 17 years. We have a tour that goes around the country, and we usually it's on weekends. And we put teens and their parents in cars with professional instructors. And it's, it's really a great program. It's very rewarding to work on. I'm very fortunate. And uh, we're just kicking off our 17th year in January. So it's very exciting. And it's also, I believe, that's uh, free for uh, families to sign up for, right? That's correct. Uh, yeah, we invest a little over $3 million each year. Uh, the program's free. Uh, if parents are interested in it and seeing where we're going to be, they can go to our website, which is drivingskillsforlife.com. We'll have a map on there. Uh, we always come to the Northeast each year, uh, and uh, it's a great program. It takes about four hours, and they'll have a great group of instructors working with them, and they'll really learn a lot. And it's really intended to be a step in the learning process because they take driver's ed in some way, in some fashion, and then they take our course, and then they continue to learn. So it's just a step in the learning process of trying to be a great driver. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, unfortunately, when kids take driver's ed, they really only learn how to get their license. They don't necessarily really learn how to drive. And this is, you're right, it's, it's kind of a little bit of lifelong learning. You go through this and you learn a little bit about how your vehicle is going to handle and how anti-lock brakes are going to work and what you need to do to drive. And then, um, you know, most people really feel like it takes, you know, somewhere around five years to become a competent driver. So you need to build these steps in. And unfortunately, too many people just uh, learn, learn by mistakes. And that's not the way to do it. Well, that's exactly what we're trying to do is stop them from having to learn by mistake. So we're doing things that they don't teach in driver's education and a little bit more skills, a little bit more hands-on. The program is really all hands-on when we do it. Um, and the other thing that's really interesting is, you know, the teens continue to learn. Uh, well, they learn throughout their life, but they also learn when they're very young. 
uh, sitting in the back seat watching their parents. And whatever the parents do, the teens tend to pick up. So we bring the parents out too. We have parent sessions and we talk to them a little bit about uh, reminding them that, uh, you know, teens, well, even before they're teens, they're watching. And then, of course, really the parents are the, are the key instructors because they're with them all the time. And, you know, there's graduated driver's licensing laws in all states. There's various things that are trying to help, but you really got to do it if you want it to be successful. Yeah, it, it really is. And and if people want to see uh, a little bit more about this, uh, do you? There's a lot of YouTube videos just under drive, Ford Driving Skills for Life. We have a, a whole set of videos. The website has a lot of great information, drivingskillsforlife.com. There's also a contact section on there, session, uh, section on there. And, you know, we always are doing, uh, you know, one-off type deals where if somebody wants us to do something, come out and do something, we can do that. Uh, we have a great team, and we work with all the states, uh, Office of Highway Safety Plannings and groups like that. And, you know, we try to do whatever we can do. So we're very flexible and uh, happy to help out wherever we can. So if you had to, uh, you know, give our listeners just a little bit of advice in, in a few words, uh, what, what would you tell them, as, you know, as we're, as we're sort of entering the, like you said, the peak holiday season, this is, this is a time where there's a little bit too much uh, impaired driving out there. Is it, is it just as simple as, hey, just don't do it? Well, that's, a, that's an important thing, obviously. Uh, you know, there's a lot of resources. I think that's the key is that, you know, if, if you are going to go out and drink, uh, make sure you either have a designated driver or, you know, I will use Uber and Lyft a lot. Of, there's just no excuse for getting in the car and driving. If you see somebody that's, you know, has a lot of alcohol, try to take their keys away. Get them a ride. And the other thing I always tell people is make sure they buckle up. Uh, there's still a lot of people that don't buckle up. And, you know, you've heard, you hear about these crashes where somebody's ejected, and, you know, there's just never a good outcome. So slow down a little bit, uh, buckle up, work out for the other people, and obviously don't drive in pairs. Those are just some very basic things you can do, and you'll have a much better chance of not being one of those statistics, which we don't want you to be. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And it, it's sort of interesting and a little bit off topic, I guess, but the, uh, the teens that we work with at AAA, we've noticed they're pretty good about, oh, yeah, I would never get in a car with someone who's drunk. But they don't think about getting in a car with someone who's just smoked marijuana. And, and in Massachusetts, we're now a recreational marijuana state. So we're actually doing an, an education program. We call it Shifting Gears, the Blunt tr- Truth About Marijuana and Driving. And we're, we're really trying to educate these kids that impairment's impairment, whether, like you said, whether it's drowsy driving, uh, drug and alcohol driving, it's all about impairment. And it's all about, and I think uh, here locally, uh, there was a very simple saying that came out, you know, feel different, drive different. And that's, one, you know, again, one of the things we try to enforce with people. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. First of all, I feel real confident about the younger generation. I think they're, they're doing that. They really, you know, want to listen and want to do the right thing. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to, you know, as it relates to marijuana, that's a whole other area. And, you know, Michigan just legalized it, too. So we, would, we have been working with Colorado and states out, some of the states out west that already legalized it. But it's a creates a whole new whole new uh, thing you have to learn about. And, and there are a lot of people think that smoking marijuana and driving doesn't really cause any problems. And so there hasn't been a whole lot of research, but we know just, we know that it, you shouldn't do it. So, you know, that's a whole other thing you have to talk about. So we'll talk about when we go into a particular state, we'll talk about that very specifically. We have our drug suit. We usually have officers work with us, and they'll tell the local rules and things like that. But, but yeah, there's a whole range of impairment from alcohol to different types of illegal drugs, to even prescription drugs. And we'll talk about all those. Yeah, well, Jim, I want to thank you for joining us on the Car Doctor program here in Boston. And I wish you a happy and healthy new year coming up. And, again, that website one more time is? 
the website is uh, drivingskillsforlife.com, and there's great information on there for parents and teens, and we encourage you to take advantage of it. I want to thank you for having me also. All right, thanks, and, and have a great 2020. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. We're going to take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, 100.3 FM, or maybe you're listening online, WROLradio.com. We'll be right back. Salem Media Group. AM 950 WROL Boston. The spirit of Boston. A service of Salem Media Group. Round, round, get around. I get around. Yeah, get around, round, round. I get around. And welcome back to the Car Doc Program on AM 950 WROL. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car, your car problems. Maybe uh, maybe you got a new car for Christmas. I wonder if people really do that. I mean, I see the commercials on TV. but I asked. I actually asked Herb Chambers once when he was on the program, you know, how often that happens at his dealerships because, you know, he has some pretty high-end dealerships. And he says every once in a while they, they do uh, they do have bows that they put on the cars just for that reason, and uh, people people do get it. Well, you probably heard all about the Tesla Cybertruck that, you know, and there was this uh, Ford throughout this, you know, we'll, we'll uh, do a tug-of-war between the Ford F-150 and the Tesla Cybertruck. And an article that came out a couple weeks ago said Ford versus Tesla is not happening. Uh, 53 years after Ford Motor Company auditiously challenged Ferrari and won. Uh, and I haven't seen that movie yet, by the way, but people say it's very good. Ford tried uh, goading Tesla into a battle, uh, but uh, after... Tesla CEO Elon Musk appeared to accept. Ford public relations official clarified that the company hadn't made a serious invitation. 
Ford was wrecked by a video uh, Tesla made showing its newly revealed Cybertruck overpowering the F-150. Among its grievances, Tesla used all-wheel drive version of its own truck, but a 4x2 version of the Ford um, pickup. Sonny Madra, who heads the Ford X Mobility Incubator, challenged Musk directly via Twitter, urging him to send us a Cybertruck and we'll do apples to apples tests for you. Bring it on, Musk responded. And with that, he tried to weigh in on it. Well, at bookmaker.eu, which I've never even heard of, they opened the Cybertruck as a 3-to-1 favorite over the F-150 in a looming tug-of-war. With the first tug-of-war surrounded in controversy, Ford threw down the gauntlet, which they accepted. Gamblers apparently don't share Elon Musk's confidence as the initial wave of money supporting Ford came in to send the 3-to-1 favorite Tesla down to 2-to-1. Uh, the Cybertruck looked impressive, though I must admit we're doing a bit of guesswork here. And uh, according to uh, James Colt at Bookmaker, uh, the initial hype surrounding the Cybertruck led us to open the price higher than we should have, and we were inundated with Ford money. We think Tesla is a solid favorite. We're going to be watching the market very closely. Um, somebody who's much smarter who uh, said, uh, you know, really all it has to do with weight. And uh, it depends if the Ford puts a lot of weight over the drive wheels, they'll probably do pretty well. So we'll have to wait and see. Our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. I think we have Rick on the phone. Yes, we do. Rick, good morning. Hey there. Hey there. Yo, um... Well, I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas in that, and that things are doing well. And, you know, you've, I'm sure you've seen those, um, those ads with a guy that's saying, well, you know, watch out for trouble, you know, I'm all around. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, well, I like, I, I'm actually enjoying those ads on TV, but you might want to talk about, you know, how to restrain your dog, because that's one of the latest ones they've got where this. He's pretending to be a dog and oh, yeah. making the driver's face and that. So, well, and it's and it's not it's, it's not just your dog. The you know my hundred mile round trip back and forth to work. I have seen dogs, cats, a big lizard, a snake, and some other furry thing. I wasn't quite sure what it was. It might have been a I don't know what it was actually. It might have been a teenager needing needing a haircut. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a cat. I think it was some kind of, I don't know, it looked like a weasel. But I don't know what it was. But it was it was kind of walking back and forth on in the back of the car. So, um, yeah, I mean, we always recommend, and for the safety of the animal, too, that they should be in a harness, and the harness should be clipped to the seatbelt. And that's how the... That's how the harnesses work. Other people will put their animals in crates, and they'll put the either um, either strap the crate in through the seatbelt or put the crate at least down on the floor so it doesn't become a flying object. One of the problems is, and say your dog weighs 30 pounds, and if you got into a car crash at 60 miles an hour, your dog doesn't, and your dog flies around inside your car. Your dog doesn't weigh 30 pounds anymore. It weighs 1,800 pounds when it hits you. So having your, you know, having your dog restrained is really, really important. Um, and that's, a, and that's the same thing we say about. That's why 
kids need to be in seatbelts too because if something happens, um, the, the, their weight multiplies by however fast you're going. So you're absolutely right. Um, besides the idea of distraction, and when you see people, I always get worried when I see somebody driving and they have a smallish dog and it's sitting in their lap and the dog is between them and the airbag. And I always think, what what would happen if they got into a crash? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a 50-mile-an-hour crash. It can be a 10-mile-an-hour crash if you hit something solid. And, um, you know, for instance, if you were distracted or slid on ice or something, and you had a dog sitting on your lap, and you slid into something solid like a light post, um, at 10 miles an hour, the airbag could go off. And if the airbag goes off and the dog's between you and the airbag, it's not going to be pretty. That would actually be an interesting study, you know, to, just to you know, simulate what would happen in that to both the dog and the, the driver. Well. Or the passenger. Or the passenger. Whatever, whatever yeah. it is, I, I, I know I don't want to be there. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the dog or the driver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have seen, you know, and, and, you know, I, I always, I always think about every, and you, you don't see it as much anymore, but, you know, think about the pipe smoker that's driving down the road with a pipe in their mouth. Yeah. If the airbag went off. Or a cigar or a or, cigarette. Yeah, well, a cigar or a cigarette, I think, would squish up. A pipe I'd be a little bit more worried about. But, um, but well, the, it, it, it'll end up inside your mouth lit. Well, that's true. That's true. But I, I, I remember I was at a body shop, and there was an airbag that they had actually hanging on the wall at the body shop, and it was a perfect lipstick mark where apparently the woman had a lot of lipstick on. And when the airbag went off, she slammed into it, and it looked like it looked like a perfect kiss of the airbag. Well, she did kiss it. Well, she did. She actually did. Yeah, but but no, you're you're absolutely right. You need to think about even to the point of, uh, you know, the holidays have kind of come and gone. But you know, even having packages in your car—that's why you know they don't they don't belong in the back seat. They belong in the trunk. Because they can become flying objects in a crash. And I remember the, the serious car crash I got into 35 years ago. I had some packages actually in the trunk of my car. And the trunk had a fold-down rear seat. And when I slid off the road and hit a tree, uh, the packages actually came out of the... They, there was enough force where they actually broke the seat back and... Uh, and they ended up in they ended up inside the car. So you got to be careful. Yeah, right now I'm sitting in a parking lot, and right across from me is a Acura wagon, and there's a big shepherd in the very back just walking around. Yeah, yeah, and you know, hopefully they have at least one of those cage retainer things up between there and the back. They probably nope. don't. Nope. Nope. And it's a uh, shop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I work oh, yeah. I work with a uh, a young young woman. She I think she's 24 or 25 years old, but she has two dogs and they don't go anywhere unless they're in harnesses and the harnesses are clipped to the seatbelts. Yep. Cuz she cares about her she cares about her dogs. They're her little furry friends. And herself. Yeah. Well, that too. I think she cares more about the dogs than herself, but yeah. <laughs> like many dog owners do. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, Rick, always a pleasure and Happy New Year. Oh, 
So happy New Year to you, John, and uh, drive safely. All Bye. right. Take care. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Well, after a 20-year absence, the three-cylinder engine is making a comeback in General Motors vehicles. The Buick Encore GX and the Chevrolet Trailblazer will be offered with a 1.2-liter and 1.3-liter turbocharged three-cylinder engine starting sometime next year. The last time GM sold a vehicle in the U.S. that had a three-cylinder engine, it was the Chevrolet Metro, and it was equipped with a one-liter non-turbo engine rated at a whopping 55 horsepower. The automaker's uh, modern-day 1.3 is rated at 155. Kind of interesting about the Geo Metro, which was really a Suzuki. In the Suzuki trim, it came with a four-cylinder engine. In the Geo trim, it came with a three-cylinder engine, and um, it was awful. It was an awful engine. Uh, GM has not disclosed the 1.2-liter U.S. power specs, but in vehicles sold overseas, it's rated about 137 horsepower. The Encore GX arrives in the first quarter of 2020 with the Trailblazer is scheduled to go on sale in the spring as a 2021 model. So I'm going to barely get down to being able to write 2020 on checks and dates and things. And in the spring of 2020, they're coming out with a 2021 model car, model year car. Give me a break. Both aluminum engines are built on a common architecture, weigh in at about 200 pounds, and save about 10 pounds compared to the four-cylinder engine. Fuel economy figures for the vehicles, but they're likely to be in the 25 to 30 miles per gallon range. Not, not a lot. I would think they could do just as well with, uh, with a. a four-cylinder engine, but the three-cylinder engine, um, though new to the U.S., have been in production since 2014 and developed in Europe and Asia by GM and some of its joint venture partners. The engine family is used in several vehicles made by um, SAIC, which markets vehicles under the MG and uh, Roe brands. SAIC builds its own versions of the engines. GM will make the engines at its uh, uh, Mexico plant according to spokesman Kevin Kelly. Ford, Mini, and Mitsubishi also offer three-cylinder engines in North America. Uh, Three-cylinder engines are common in Europe and Asian small cars. 1.2-liter is one of the smallest displacement engines ever offered by GM in North America besides the 1.2-liter engine that, uh, that was offered in the Metro. The Metro was a car kind of interesting that um, Solectria which was an electric car company uh, here in Massachusetts, would get Geo Metros. They'd take all the engines out of them, and then they'd put them all back together and have electric cars be made up from them, and they're, st and they're still around. So uh, um, just kind of one of, those, one of those little odd stories about electric cars. And I read something, I'm kind of looking for it now, about someone found... A um, Chevrolet electric vehicle in a parking garage somewhere, all covered with dirt and dust. And it was just sort of sitting there. And uh, someone kind of said, why? why?" And these were, these were cars that were not for sale. They were only lease only. So uh, someone, found, someone found one tucked away in a garage. And you kind of wonder how often that stuff shows up in kind of a weird, weird way. The um, Mercedes coming out, we were talking with Junior about SUVs. Yeah, when was the last time you saw a car? <laughs> and the um, 
Mercedes is coming out with a car SUV in between the GLA and the GLC. Uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, lured single millennials to its brand with the GLA compact crossover. Now the luxury automaker is launching an all-new GLB to keep those customers in the fold as they enter the next stage of their lives. Do you really have to go like one little car? A little bit bigger car, a little bit bigger car. Wouldn't it make more sense to just go big and get it over with? But the GLB, referred to as the Baby G, offers a more functional and spacious package uh, for those families with one with a little bit bigger wheelbase. Um, the GLB is the king of convenience, according to Glazer. It looks like an SUV. It functions as an SUV, and it offers a comfortable ride slaughter between the GLA and the GLC crossovers. And the GLC crossover is one that I have driven. I drove it a couple weeks ago, uh, and um, it was a 300, so it had the 2-liter turbocharged engine. What a nice car. They actually did a really nice job with it. And uh, they uh, they were, did a good job kind of putting it all together and making it all work. If you want to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770. 770 3030 is how you get through and chat with us about maybe what's on your mind on the Saturday before, well, it's the last Saturday of 2019. Speaking of which, and I think 2020 is going to be easier to remember. 2019, I stumbled around 2019 a lot, maybe mentally and physically. I stumbled around 2019, but uh, 2020 just seems like it rolls off the tongue a little bit better. So maybe there's a lot of good stuff happening in uh, 2020. Sure. The 2020 Nissan full-size pickup truck debuts with a new Japanese-made nine-speed transmission, which they say is something that uh, they wanted. It's going to improve power, um, which is one of the top purchase reasons for the segment. The additional gear in the transmission and taller final drive ratio, um, the driver will feel more torque and experience faster acceleration and give the opportunity to give the right driving force for the right demand. So it's something that will make the car feel a little bit better. And if you're still mad at um, the Ford electric vehicle four-door Mach-E, well, it looks like there will be a Mustang EV Coupe. But not that soon. The marquee crossover coming next year may not be the only battery electric Mustang on its way. Uh, shortly after marquee revealed in Los Angeles, Ford president of automotive said uh, on Squawk Box that a battery electric vehicle, battery electric Mustang coupe would not happen in the near future, but probably someday. I bet it's going to happen sooner than later, actually. But I bet they have to work on, work on a little bit of... Um, battery stuff. Um, How Tai Tang, who's the head of Ford's product development, he was a guy who he loves the Mustang. He, uh, he, was, he was born in Vietnam, and he remembered as a kid seeing Mustangs driving around Vietnam, and which inspired him to actually go to work for Ford. Um, he, was on, he was on the program once, many, many years ago when he wasn't a big deal. Now he's a big deal. Now he's the head of a whole bunch of stuff at Ford. Back then, he was the designer of the Ford Mustang. Let's talk to... He's kind I of a big deal. He's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Let's talk to Richard. Richard North Shore. All right. Good morning, and Happy New Year. Good morning. Uh, you have a question about the 2019 Nissan Frontier. Okay. I like it. It's kind of dated, but that's what I like about it. Uh, I was looking at the Rangers, and I was looking at the Chevys. What do you think of it? Um... I agree with everything you said about it. I mean, I I don't 
I mean, what are you what are you looking for in the Chevy? You looking at the Colorado? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I already have a I already have a Silverado, but it doesn't park. It uh, the parking spaces are getting smaller and the traffic's getting heavier. Well, you're absolutely right about that. In fact, where I work, we actually shrunk the parking spaces to what they consider like minimum width, and it is. Uh, and bec- and the way they did that, they actually added about 25 more parking spaces by taking about eight inches off of each spot. And now all it is is a it's it's a matter of everybody just complaining about door dings in their car. So, um, yeah, I you know I. I don't see anything wrong with the with the Nissan, um, you know, the Frontier. It I think, yeah, it it's yeah. I I wonder about a little bit about Nissan reliability, but I have to think it's probably at least as good as um, the the Chevy. Um, and not that the Chevy's bad. I think they're all pretty good. The Ranger, I don't. People I've talked to have driven the Ranger, liked it, and it's it's basically a platform that's been sold in other parts of the world. So it's not that it's all new, um, but you're right. It, it, the the Nissan, I think that's got what's it's a four liter V six in there, right? Yeah, it seems to like fuel. Yeah, seems seems to like gas. Yeah, so you know, fuel economy, you know, probably fourteen, fifteen, sixteen miles per gallon. Um, yeah. I mean, I do. I I'm. I still think there is a there is a market for a true compact or midsize pickup truck, and and I think I think Ford went too big with the Ranger, and I think GM went too big with the Colorado. I well, years ago, didn't they? The Mustang was a good small car, and then they kept making it bigger, and all of a sudden, it became this this beast that had a Mustang name, but it really wasn't functional. And I think this is what they did with the mini, with the, with the pickup trucks. They started off with a good idea, and they just made it so big. It's like that's a big truck. Yeah, I mean, the, the last time I was in a Ram fifteen hundred four door, it had yeah. a back seat that could have belonged in a limousine. It was that big. I mean, it, I, right. I've never. I don't know the last time I was in a vehicle that had as much rear seat legroom as this Ram pickup truck did. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. When you guys are rating cars, they don't seem to rate the turn radius. And when you're trying to park a car or do a U-turn, or you, it doesn't seem to say how – how. It, it, they seem to say everything braking, yeah, acceleration, yes. But what if the thing's a beast to turn around? Uh, they don't seem to rate that anymore for some reason. Yeah, I you know, and I used to do that, and uh, you know, part of what I you know, part of the car reviews that I do, unfortunately, it's all about space. And you know, it used to be my first car reviews I ever did were eight hundred words, and then they were five hundred words, and then they're three hundred fifty words, and and unfortunately, you start taking you start taking stuff out, and uh, and yeah, I because. You know, eventually you get used to it. You get used to whatever car you have, and you get used to whatever the turning radius is. But, you know, it's almost embarrassing sometimes that I drive one car that actually the turning radius is pretty good, and then all of a sudden I get in another car, and I go to pull into a parking space, and I have to back up and do it again because it didn't turn as sharp as I wanted it to because it was that much different than the vehicle I drove 
you know, two or three weeks before that. So um, you're right. The turning radius is is um, something that. So you're you're being asked to squish a car into a tighter space, and a car doesn't turn well. Yeah. What yeah. could go wrong? What, uh, what could go wrong? Um, nothing other than um, you know the well. What could go right? The body shops will make more money. Um, I, I don't know. The only thing I, I was kind of curious about the future of Nissan, but then I kept looking, going, it's the wrong going to end up being owned by some type of government. So I guess they're going to be around for a while. Well, and, it's just the, and Nissan isn't the one I'm actually concerned about. It's actually Infinity. Their premium lineup seems to be so much struggling right now that they're the ones that I kind of wonder what's going to happen with them. But I think there'll always be a market for, for Nissan. I think they're, I think they're, uh, you, you know, they, I, they made what I think was either a good or bad move. They basically had two, two platforms. It was either a front drive platform or rear drive platform and everything was built off of the, that style architect architecture. So the cars don't feel a lot different. A Maxima feels like an Altima, which it never used to, and so because of that, I mean, the the new Altima all-wheel drive is actually a pretty slick car. But you know, back to your pickup truck question, um, you know, looking at the looking at the um, what I just read about the full-size Titan pickup, they're coming out. You know, they're going to put a nine-speed transmission in it because you know, pickup big pickup truck owners want more power and more performance, even though every pickup truck I see going down the road is empty. Yeah, that's why I was kind of uh, my, my other thought was rather than get a pickup truck, just get a Rav Four and put a trailer hitch on it, and uh, and just just completely jump jump out of the pickup truck family altogether. Uh, you know, I did that uh, for I did that for many years. I had a I had a little, and it wasn't very big. It was probably four and a half feet wide, and maybe it was six and a half feet long. Little utility trailer yeah. that was good enough to carry some sheets of plywood or sheetrock or mulch or, you know, as long as I wasn't overloading it. And I towed that with a variety of vehicles, uh, everything from a little sedan to a little SUV. And then I just sort of stopped needing it and sat in my yard so long I gave it away. But that that is always an, an easy option. Uh, doesn't require It doesn't require insurance, doesn't require a lot of registration. You can be, you can be a little bit of a cheater and register it in Maine and get a 10-year plate so you never have to really worry about it? Yeah. Um, my one thought when it comes to utility trailers, if I'm getting that much stuff, why not just have it delivered? Well, there's there's that. that. There's that. If you But, you know, it's every once in a while. It's that one thing you want to go get, and you're like, uh, if I only had that little bit more room, and you know you can you can you can buy them you can buy them fairly inexpensively. But you're right, you can always rent one. You can always you know you can if you go in a Home Depot, what is it, 19.99? You can go rent their little flatbed truck, and make it all work. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's, but I'll, I'll let you know what I buy. I'm I'm going to do something I, in 2020. I, I think you're going to buy the Frontier. <laughs> Which color? White or red? <laughs> well, that 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 I don't know. That I don't know. So, but I think, uh, I think you're, it sounds like your voice is leaning towards the frontier. Yeah, in, it definitely. Yeah. In, in spite, right. in spite of the, in spite of the not so stellar fuel economy. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's a function. That's like a car wash. It's a function of use. The more you use it, the more you pay, the less you use it, 
and, and just think about where you're going. That's right. That's oh, right. By the way, you're, you've got a great show, and uh, you're thinking about the driver's license. A lot of people I've known haven't upgraded to the newer driver's license, and they really don't realize that when they go to Logan Airport and they don't ha- or they can't find their passport or their passport's expired, they got a whole lot of problems. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be a problem. It's gonna be, it's gonna it, be a real problem. And they, you know, even if they're just jumping on a flight to go from here to, you know, South Carolina, uh, they're not gonna be jumping on the flight. Yeah, and the question is, does the, uh, did the airlines turn around and cut you a break, saying, "By the way, you were an idiot. You didn't, you couldn't get on the plane. We're we're gonna give you credit for the uh, something else." Or are you going to say you just ate 400 bucks because you decided to be uh, lazy? I'm willing to bet it's the second one. The airlines, yeah, they're – and you, and AAA was so nice when we redid our driver's licenses. I was one of those that I had – I was jumping a year ahead. Yeah. I thought, well, you know, if it's going to be done, let's get it over with. Right. Yeah, the I did. The paperwork was – yeah, the paperwork was a challenge, but it was my wife and I were doing it at the same time. Yep, and she kept saying, "No, you have to fill it out this way." And when it was all done, Triple A made it so easy. Well, that's good. Well, thank um, you. I, I'll, I'll, I'll bash you when you deserve it, and I'll plug you when you deserve it. Well, you guys I, did a fantastic job. Well, I appreciate. It. I know my my license technically didn't expire; won't expire. Wasn't going to expire till this year. 2020 and I did mine and I and I will I will say the the woman I talked to in our office I went in and said what do I need and she said you need this 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 and this so a couple weeks later I was in the same office and I'm like what do I need again and she said you need this didn't don't you remember I told you that and I said yeah yeah but I already forgot so she said look well, here's I mean, what here's what you're going to need and then I went home and got it all and I brought it all back in and you know with the exception of the registry computer was broken for half an hour um, it was all fine and well, the, right now the the staff at those these places are charming, but come October, oh yeah, they yeah. may not be as charming. Uh, they may be looking at you going, you had a year and a half um, to 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 get your act together. That's right. That's uh, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, we'll get to you when yeah, yeah. we said we get to you. Yeah, and and that's one of those things. Also, look at. Look at, uh, you know, there may be officers that are a little bit more convenient or a little less convenient drive-wise, but might have a little less line as well. So there is some, there is some a little bit of trickery you can do. Um, like I said, my wife, her license didn't expire until 2022, but she's going to be flying a little bit over the next year or so. And she said, you know what, I'm going to spend the $25. I'm going to get a duplicate license as if I lost it. And it's worth the $25. I'll get all the paperwork done now. And there won't be any issues when, if I need to fly someplace, you know, sometime next year. So, um, you know, and she, she got it done and she was, she actually went down to our Raynham office and she said it took 10 minutes and she was in and out and no problem at all. We used Newburyport. The yep. staff was so charming. Yep. Yep. I mean, they, they, they actually, they actually wanted your business and you're like, I wasn't planning on doing it, but you guys are making it so easy. Well, well, I, 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 yeah, I got to do it, and uh, the results were well worth it. Well, thank you. Well, you have a wonderful right. New Year now, you, and, be, and you will because you you will have a wonderful New Year because you have real ID, so you're all set. All right, take care. Absolutely. Yep. Bye bye. And I think uh, Keith is lining up our last phone call of 2019. Almost sounds ominous, but it's not really. So, 
because um, we're we're almost oh, we we'll got a couple minutes left, but Keith's oh, Keith's working away there, so we'll let him we'll let him work away. Never did find the story I was looking for. I probably find it next year. Next year with the uh, with the uh, with the Chevy with the Chevy Volt. No, Chevy. I can't remember what it is. The little Chevy the little Chevy electric car that came out. And it was a pretty cool little car. You couldn't buy them. You could only lease them. And for the longest time, there was one near me just sort of tucked in someone's garage. So it was kind of kind of neat to see it there. Where are we going there, Keith? I accidentally hung up on the last guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jerry Austin. Well, let's talk to Jerry then. Jerry, good morning. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good. I have a question. Uh, my wife uh, had to go through the rigmarole of uh, upgrading her license mm -hmm. to the the new one. Uh, I missed that date <clears throat> by a couple of months, so I still have the old one. Mm -hmm. But uh, she said that uh, if you have a uh, military retirement card, uh, that takes the place of the new one. Is that correct? I have not heard that. Okay. I have not heard that. I have heard that it's either... It's either um, a passport or real ID. I haven't heard the military military ID. Hmm. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. have to check into it. But yeah. if you find the answer, maybe you can broadcast it for I, me. I will. And it's and it's one of those, the military ID might allow you to, that may be one of the documents of residency. So it might count as, you know, for instance, a... Um, uh, you know, legal forms of identification. A firearms permit is a legal form of identification. Maybe yeah. that's just another form of identification. But I don't know. I I'll put I'll put it this way: if this was my if this was my uh, vacation of a lifetime, I wouldn't want to bet bet that that would get me on the plane. All right. I understand. Okay. okay. All right. Well, thank you for the info. All right. Take care. Bye bye now. You too. Bye bye. Hey, look, it's Bobby Brooks over there standing around by microphone, too. What is going on? Hey, can you imagine? 2019's over. Crazy. Yeah, yeah what happened to it? It, it? It's a blink. It's true. Remember how parents used to say, the older you get, the time goes by faster? Yeah. Isn't that the truest thing yeah. in the world? When you're it's when crazy. you're young, you think, you know, I'm never going to get to Christmas time. I'm never going to get those yeah, no. presents, you know? And yeah. and for a lot of, you know, I, I, you know, I remember being a little kid, it was the... You know, it was my birthday and Christmas. You know, yeah. that's you know, it's like, what am I going to get? Yeah, it's crazy. And, and now it's like it was just yes, it was just it's a blur. Uh, yeah, it was a blur. Yeah, I had a good time last night. I went to the Irish Social Club, the Feeney and Sons played, and the place was packed. So, but I left at a respectable time, knowing I had I had obligations today. Yeah. But I woke up this morning, and I did this have I have a little packet with my license in it, my the few credit cards I have, and I know I had it in that house when I came home. I can't find that bloody thing to save my life. Hmm. Oh, it's driving me crazy. This will drive me nuts all day. So, so you, you don't carry a wallet? No, no. A wallet, please. I got enough in the, my back pocket, to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not a wallet guy. My yeah. family says that all the time. I'm yeah. not a wallet guy, and I'm not a hanky guy. Then how do you hold on to moolah? Well, if you well, don't have a, it, you don't need a wallet to carry yeah. it. Keith. Well, that that is that's so a good point. So you're poor, you're saying? Well, no, yeah. I'm a very rich man. I just uh, <laughs> it's not in money. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I I have to. I've carried a wallet for so long mm -hmm. that when I don't have it, you know, if I if I don't put it in my pocket before I leave the house, I know it's not there. 
Well, it's the same thing with this little, little packet thing. of cards yeah. that I yeah. have. I'm a creature yeah. of habit. It yeah. goes on the counter, yeah. goes in my pocket, or in my in my little bag here when I leave. So yeah. the whole family is tearing yeah. the house apart yeah. as we speak. Yeah, if I I try because I have a, kind of a, a little bit of a back problem. One of the one of the uh, back doctors said to me, "Well, you're sitting on your wallet all yeah, the time. Just, you're uneven." And I'm, like, and I'm like, "Well, it's not like there's much in it." But he, say, said, he right. said, "Well, but it's still, you know, it's an inch thick and it's still yeah. pushing your hips to an angle." So I tried doing the same. I tried carrying it in my bag, mm-hmm. and it just felt awkward. It didn't yeah. feel didn't, didn't feel, feel right. You were, you were off. That's I why was you off. walk it with a little bit I, of. A... I, I need it. I need it. Needed to know what's there. Hey, there's music playing in oh, the background, okay, which means. The very best in Irish music is coming up. Sully's still uh, recuperating. He's right? a good, I talked to him on, had a great conversation with him yep. yesterday. He sounds great. Hasn't just been given the thumbs up from the doctor. He has a couple of appointments next okay, week. Good. But he sounds great, feeling oh, great. Good. He's going to be the $6 million man when he comes back. He, he, he is. So the very best in Irish music coming up next. Like it happens for 52 years now here on AM 950 WROL. So until next year... Wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next year. Bye-bye. No crashing cars now. It's been a very, very, very hard year. I'd agree it does it.